This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode on the Living in First Alignment podcast. My name is Kayla, and today I'm really excited because I'm interviewing my new friend that I met on social media and through mutual friends named Ash. She's a nurse and also a strength and conditioning coach. So I wanted her to come on here because I just really love her presence online and because of her mutual connections. I think she has a really amazing story, and I just wanted to have a conversation with somebody who's equally passionate about mindfulness, mindset, and just all things personal growth. So Ash, I would love if you can introduce yourself, just share where you're from, some of the things you love doing, and then we're just going to dive right into a conversation. I'm Ash, and I'm originally from Saskatchewan, and nursing, working at PFA as a strength and conditioning coach, and sharing what I love to do on Instagram about mindfulness. I love that you said you're from Saskatchewan. I actually didn't know that. So how do you move out to Victoria? Well, that is actually a funny story. I finished <laughs> I finished nursing school. I'm not much of a planner, if you don't know that. But I finished nursing school, and I was like, well, my whole life has been about school. Since I was five years old, you just didn't really think about your life much because the next year rolled around, and you're – you know, society had already given you a plan. And then when I finished university, my uh, bachelor of science in nursing, I was like, holy shit. Like now what, what's the next year look like? And so for the first time in my life, I actually had to like, think about what I was going to do. And I felt like I had so much freedom because I was a nurse. I wasn't held down anywhere. And so then I really had no plan and planning kind of stresses me out. So I decided to just go to Asia. And so I just avoided all of the life decisions by going to Asia. And then the universe just uh, had my, one of my friends that I met in nursing school, Misha, she texted me while I was in Thailand and said, Hey, I'm moving to Victoria. Cause she has family here. Do you, and I need a roommate. Do you want to move to Victoria? And I was like, perfect. There's my plan. I'm moving to Victoria. So that's how I ended up on the island. And I was a little nervous. I literally packed as much as I could fit in my Honda Civic and drove out to the island. And no, no real plan, no job, no friends, no family. I had Misha and all my stuff in my car and I just drove here. Didn't even know you had to take a ferry to get to the island. Oh my God. <laughs> Do a lot of research, but, and I was terrified because I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a hassle. If I hate it, I'd never been to Victoria. I hadn't even been to BC. I and love so that. I was like, if she likes it, I, it can't be that bad. And it turns out I get there and I'm like, oh my gosh, this place is sweet. I love it. And I was like, I'll probably only stay a year because I didn't really have any friends and it was the first year was extremely lonely, but I was like, you know what? It kind of felt like you were a tourist going to all the, the ocean, seeing the seals, you know, all that fun stuff us landlocked people don't get to do very much. And then, yeah, I just fell in love with it. And four years later, here I am. 
Oh my gosh, I love that. It's so funny because I kind of have an opposite story where I was in Victoria for literally 25 years of my life, graduated university, and then I moved to Asia. I went to China. <laughs> yeah, I went to China and I taught for a year because I have a Bachelor of Education in Physical Education in French, which I obviously don't teach anymore, at least not in that context. Yeah. And I lived in China for a year. My boyfriend was in Toronto. And then I moved to Toronto when I had never been to Toronto before. Like never oh. had no friends, no family there, just my boyfriend. And then we ended up living there for three years. And then we moved back. So now I'm in Vancouver. So I, love, I know I love that we have this kind of like weirdly mirroring story. That's so funny. That's amazing. Cool. So what were you doing in Asia? I also went to Thailand actually when I was traveling, which is so funny. I don't know. I just wanted to see the world. And like I said, I, I hadn't had the opportunity because I was always in school. And so, and the other thing is I kind of, this sounds like cliche, but I kind of wanted to like experience who I was without like anyone around me who knew me so I just went there by myself and was in, I went to Thailand and Indonesia and it was kind of cool because it was like no one knows you no one knows your past you can really be anyone you want to be and like not to say that you completely change completely change who you are but I find that like you're you find out who you are without trying to be someone do you know what I mean? Yeah. You just get to be yourself because you're not trying to fit into anyone's boxes. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of cool you like figure out who you are underneath all the masks you wear to please people and you know. No, I I can totally relate. That's how I felt when I went to China. Like I had a, there was a few people that I knew teaching at the school, but I was in a foreign country, like literally <laughs> cannot speak the language you know just complete culture shock all of that and then even again when I moved to Toronto I only knew my boyfriend so I, I get that like you you get to discover yourself on another level because there's no noise like there's no expectations of how you should show up and how your friends know you and yeah you get to be more self-expressed and I just found more freedom in trying things that I'd never done before and it like it totally just allows this new way of creating your confidence through doing new experiences without any worries about being judged or questioned or it's like oh you shouldn't do that because you would never do that you know what I mean yeah yeah exactly so you know embarking on my first journey after school it's weird like it sounds so like every your life begins after you're done school but in a way I just feel like you don't really think much about I don't know I just wasn't very like intentional with my thoughts around who I was or what life was about until I finished school so it's kind of like is a landmark for me I know it kind of seems like I keep referring back to that specific timeline but yeah, yeah. I can totally relate to that though because so I graduated in 2015 and I started my personal growth journey in 2014 like mm -hmm. literally a year earlier and it was like that's really when, like you said, you know, society having all these expectations of you should go to school, you should do this and whatever. And so that's when I really started questioning all of that. And then it was coming out of school and it's like, oh, I don't have to go and study or do this or do that. And there's more freedom to trial and error and, and whatnot. Right. And so I think this is actually a, a perfect segue question into how did you get into being a strength and conditioning coach and like what got you really passionate about fitness? 
Well, that's a loaded question. I, so I was a gymnast, competitive gymnast for my whole life, basically. It consumed all of my teenage years, which is a gift. Is a, I, I see it as a gift now at the time. It, I loved it, but like, yet I felt like I missed out on a lot because I trained and spent so much time in the gym by far more than the majority of my friends. And so that was always like my underlying passion for physical activity, sports, body, like body awareness, functional fitness. But then, uh, and then I also did competitive cheerleading. Um, and then for a little while that, that passion kind of got lost as I was going through university, I was still competing, um, on the university cheer team. And then I became a nurse in Victoria and then, you know, I, I didn't really have any specific passion. I didn't have a sport to be dedicated to. So things just kind of fell by the wayside. However, I found a gym shortly after I moved to Victoria called TFA, the fitness Academy. So I was going to this gym that I loved because it was more focused around calisthenics, functional fitness, and like stuff like that. So I really did like it, but then I met my current partner, Dave, and he was obviously a coach and the owner of TFA. And I just saw how passionate he was, the difference he was making, the community that I was a part of. And I was feeling a little like stuck in nursing. I felt like I was kind of starting to see my future unfold in front of me, which nursing can be a great career, but the area I was in just wasn't fulfilling me at all. And so then I started looking at other ways to fulfill myself. And I thought, I love fitness and I love helping people. So why do I not start? training and that's kind of how it happened yeah no and I love what you're doing too because right now you're doing it's the what is it the 65 65 alive. yeah 65 alive can you actually talk a little bit about this because I know it's wrapping up in like the next week right yeah yep there's one week left it started on January 4th and it was just kind of to you know help people with the new year, develop some habits that could be sustained throughout the year that almost anyone can benefit from. And the four things, I mean, uh, suggestions, I don't like to use the word rules, but um, were that no drugs or alcohol for 65 days. Um, You have to write down five things you're grateful for every day. Get outside, some sort of outside fresh air every day and some sort of movement or uh, activity every day and so just super awesome for the mental health oh yeah great to have like a little community encouraging each other with such like positive habits I love it oh yeah I've been seeing my sister who's been showing up every day posting on social media and then the whole Starbucks thing going on that's like a thing now I'm laughing so hard because I know she's gonna listen to this she's probably like busting her butt I really took off you know (laughs) oh so basically just so the listeners know what happened was obviously this challenge is going on for 65 days and then my sister would always go to Starbucks after the workout and she'd like order this crazy bougie thing and then just like give it a rating and share about it on Instagram and then other people started doing that and then everyone started tagging each other and I'm just laughing because it was like 
I don't know. It's just so perfect. Yep. <laughs> 65 live in Starbucks. Oh, so good. So what are some of the positive changes that, you, that you've seen in the last, like, you know, over two months now doing this, this challenge? Like for yourself and even for your community, because obviously people are doing this with you. Yeah, honestly, the, well, I guess there's two. The biggest one would be mental health. It's insane what those four things can do for your mental health. And then also for others is like one of the most like heartfelt moments for me is there's been a few people that have like reached out to us saying how they, they really struggled with, you know, various forms of addiction and TFA or 65 alive has helped them, you know, stop drinking or so, you know, that way it just like melts my heart because that is like above and beyond what I thought this challenge would do. So it's in a way like changed some people's lives even more dramatically than I could have imagined, which is really, really cool. And so I'm really excited. There's, there's one guy who he's been a year sober and it all started from him when he started coming to TFA, which, and now he's like one of our 65 alive leaders because he's like living and breathing it every day. So it's really cool. Oh my gosh. I literally have goosebumps with you saying that it's just, it's really amazing, you know, you just share an idea and people show up and they do it. And I bet this, like, you'll have to do this as an annual thing now and just grow it every year and, like, make it worldwide. Like, why not? You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. yeah. No, I absolutely love that. So speaking of mental health, one of the other things that we have connected over is just our love and passion for personal growth and development. And so I would love if you could share just kind of how you got into that and how you started, you know, the impact that you're making online. And we had a bit of a chat before we hit record on how you grew your account and just, you know, why you're sharing and what you're sharing. Like if you could share that story, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. So like I mentioned, when I was feeling pretty stuck and just like pretty unhappy with, with where I was at my, it was mostly my career, like um, the area of nursing I was in, and I just kind of felt like I could predict the next 50 years and it didn't make me excited at all. And so then I was like, okay, so now what? Like, where do I go from here? At the time, like now it seems so crazy to admit, but like I had so many self-limiting beliefs that I didn't even want to tell Dave that I wanted to look into coaching like I was just embarrassed and ashamed of it which is like now I'm like oh my gosh why was I so afraid of that but at the time I was and so I and also I didn't know is that what I wanted to do should I change my nursing area I just felt so lost like I didn't know where to begin and uh someone I used to work with at Lululemon when I was in nursing school I I'm not sure if she reached out to me or not but I had been following her and she was um, basically life coaching. And so I was like, okay, maybe this is what I need to help me figure out my life. Like I just didn't know where to begin. And so we started working together. She was amazing and basically helped me find clarity around. It's not, it's not like she told me what to do at all. She mostly gave me the tools to reflect on like, myself which is the first time I really started looking at myself and what makes me happy and how many things I'm actually doing out of ego and what I'm actually doing for myself or 
other or if I'm just doing it for other people. And so then I started to really learn like, okay, this I genuinely enjoy or this I'm just doing to impress people and stuff like that. And then when I first started chatting with her, I had already made up my mind that I wanted to be more involved on social media um, because I saw the opportunities and friends and amazing people Dave was surrounded by through his Instagram. And so he was just kind of like my, oh, I guess you could say role model in that sense. And like, wow, like he did it and look at what, like, look what he's created. And so then I was like, Hey, I want to do that. And I was like, I guess I'll just try and share my life more. But then as this was happening, I was learning all about mindfulness and conscious living and challenging your root beliefs. And then I just kind of started sharing that on my Instagram. Cause that was like, I found this huge passion and then I guess eventually, and then like, next thing you know, that's like my major focus on Instagram, which wasn't even my intention, but it just all kind of happened and worked out. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, yeah. I love this story so much because again, before her and I hit record, we were chatting about this specific thing. And I was just sharing how when we take a moment, like when we take a chance on ourselves to pursue what makes us happy or what lights us up or inspires us, like we have absolutely no fucking idea, like what's going to open up. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just think as people who maybe are working on themselves and really diving into their self-limiting beliefs, like you don't have to have everything figured out to at least start taking action, you know, and people love authenticity. So obviously when you're sharing your own personal journey, even though you don't have everything figured out, like you're just sharing your, you know, what you're doing, the things that work for you, you're posting things and sharing things that just like resonate with the human soul. Obviously mm -hmm. people are going to be drawn to that. And I think, I think more people, you know, should try that on because it obviously makes such a difference, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what held me back for so long was like, and you know what? I, I shouldn't. So this is kind of funny. So I'm going to my, I'm walking over to my uh, closet here. Cause in my closet, I have this like page of um, a vision that I wrote in 2018 and it was my 10 year vision because I haven't been doing it the last two years, which I don't know why, but before that, since like 2016, every year I would write a 10 year vision of what I wanted my life to look like in 10 years from now, which is actually really hard to picture because it's not that predictable. Cause you're like, well, 10 years is quite a ways away, which is the point because you're trying to see some, you're trying to decide on a life that you all, that you, you can't predict cause it's 10 years away. Right. And in 2018, like before I was just starting my nursing career, like I was a couple years in, and I wrote in it that, I'm going to read it right here. It said, it says something about, I wanted to be a leader of a community who sweat, who sweated together. And so I was in a way saying I wanted to be a trainer, but I, I just knew that like, you know, fitness fulfilled me. And it says, um, I want to contribute to the world by showing others sweating together bonds individuals and creates a happiness that cannot be found in other ways. I want energy to radiate into people's lives, sending positive vibes everywhere I go. Connection is crucial to me. I want to fill my bucket up along with others. I am a point of inspiration and influence for my students and followers. And that was before I ever posted anything on Instagram, before I ever even thought of te like teaching anything. But for some reason, 
in 10 years, I wanted my life to look like that. And so that's what I wrote. And now it's like, it kind of just happened organically and you can't really wait for what you think you need to wait for. Like you just kind of got to start and keep moving forward and things just like kind of happen. I, I know that's so vague, but no, but I get it. I, I love that you just read that and you shared it because that's such a beautiful example of manifestation and just living your life in alignment and showing up for yourself. You know, even if it's like one fucking day at a time, like all of those days together is what makes your life, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like amazing. And when you're writing, like when you're writing something like that, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. Like when I think about that in 2018, like I was living with two roommates, work like just getting my bearings as a nurse. Like, and so writing about sweating together and being an influence for other people was like so bizarre but I still wrote it down you know so yeah now I think like holy shit that actually is kind of my life now I'm like I'm kind of like having a moment right now because I'm like whoa like what's next you know what I mean yeah I guess yeah I gotta and one thing I love too is that I, especially the, the mentors that I follow online, especially the ones who are like way up there, multimillionaires, and they just, they keep talking about how you're always going to desire more. Like, even if they look like they have it all, like you're always going to desire more. And it's such a human thing to want to desire more. And I think what happens is we have this tendency to like put things on a pedestal. Like, for example, you literally writing that letter to yourself, like, this is what I want in 10 years. You like put it on the pedestal of 10 years. And then literally three fucking years later, you've met, you've manifested that reality. So then now what are you going to do with the next seven years? Right, yeah. Right. So it's like so natural to desire more. And I think that, I think normalizing this, you know, in the world is a good thing because when we think, oh, I shouldn't ask for more, we're coming from this place of scarcity. Like there isn't enough. Right. Yeah. That's a huge point. Yeah. Good point. Oh yeah. So <laughs> tell me a little bit more about your journey with personal growth. Like what are some of the things that you love to share about and talk about online or even just in life in general? Well, what comes to mind first is quote unquote doing the work. And what that means to me is like, I started to really become more mindful of my thoughts and with that my everyday language so I just never realized how many thoughts we have in a day and how controlling they are and were when I wasn't witnessing them or observing them but I was like in them I was living them when I had a shitty thought I embodied that shitty thought and I thought of another one and another one. And then the next thing you know, I feel shitty. And then, oh, how was your day? It sucked, you know? And so then I started learning, like, observing my thoughts, seeing them as a separate entity. They're not a part of me. I can't control them, but I don't have to focus on them. And then, like, through that, I was able to give myself power back to the fact that like I can still have a good day or like just knowing that like you have so much more control than I thought because I wasn't being mindful I was just 
I was just getting wrapped up in my own thoughts. My, my thoughts controlled me, controlled my language, controlled how I responded to other people like a dick, which means then I was being shitty to my friends and family. Anyways, yeah, it's just a spiral. I'm sure you get that. So, oh yeah, that's like a huge focus for me. I think that's a great thing to point out though, you know, for the listeners that maybe if you're newer into personal growth or maybe if you just literally need a reminder and you've heard this a million times is that paying attention to our thoughts is so important because what we repeatedly think becomes a belief. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is, you know, what we think and what we believe causes an emotion in our body, which is literally what you just shared. Like you're thinking shitty things and then you literally feel shitty. And then what happens is you take shitty actions, which might look like you being a dick to your friends and family, like literally what you just said. So when we take that time to like, you know, observe ourselves and pay attention to, okay, where did that thought come from? Why am I manifesting these weird situations that aren't actually happening that piss me off so that I can like feel weirdly righteous and then have like a dopamine hit? Like, why am I doing that? You know? And I find that way of interrupting is like such a good way to just cut the fuse of those thoughts becoming autopilot. I just want to share this for my people. It sounds kind of crazy because obviously like we don't really talk about our own thoughts very much. And so no one would ever know I do this, even though I'm close with all my friends and stuff. But like, anyways, on with the story is like when I'm having thoughts in order to separate myself from my thoughts, because they're very separate, you can't control your thoughts. So they are not me. I literally will like third person talk to my thoughts because they're so separate from me. So I'll literally like, if I have a thought about like, oh, everyone's, everyone's gonna think I look stupid. Then my other self, my like, not my ego will be like, oh, you think everyone cares about you, Ash? Like, don't worry, they're all worried about themselves. So then I'm like talking to my thoughts because they're separate from me. Oh, I think that, I think that's actually like a really good trick, to be honest, because then it sort of takes the seriousness out of like, you being literally in your own head with yourself. You're like, okay, if I wear this shirt, it's going to cling to my hips. And then people are going to notice that I put on some like quarantine pounds. I'm like, I can't show that because then it's going to look bad. And then imagine if you say to yourself, really? Like you actually care about whether or not, you know, you look a certain way when it has nothing to do with the other person's life. Like if you actually like especially when I'm trying to like impress people I'm like oh that's the ego talking like I don't I know you you only care about trying to impress people blah blah (laughs) yeah and actually I've I've had this conversation with some people where they will name their alter ego like the ego that talks all these shitty things like yeah that's like okay you know what I mean you'd be like okay Sally like listen if you don't want to wear the shirt because it's going to be like cling to your hips then don't freaking wear it Sally like go pick out something else in your closet like it just I don't know I feel like it just kind of maybe I should name it yeah (laughs) well you know I think that uh it just makes things lighthearted because I think we just take ourselves so seriously you know And it's just, it really does stem from wanting to do well in life, like caring about, you know, impacting other people and obviously, you know, having a good impression. Like nobody wants to be seen as a bad person. Like I totally get it. And I don't think we're meant to be, you know, wallowing in those thoughts that just run on autopilot. You know, like you said, Mm -hmm. there was a, there was something I saw on the internet and I think 
our brain, we have around 60,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day. 80% of them, I think, are negative, And we have 95% of the th- same thoughts every day. Yeah, operating in your subconscious, which is, which is what we mostly do. We run on autopilot. So the only way to like kick ourselves out of out of autopilot is to start becoming more mindful and looking around and kind of focusing on what you're touching, focusing on what you're sitting on. That's the only way to get out of autopilot and, you know, instead of just replaying 80% of the same thoughts during the day and then you're like, "Oh, what would you do today?" and you can't even remember because you spent 80% of a 80% of it in your head. Yeah. Instead of getting to experience the day and looking at the color of the sky. and Actually, what you're sharing right now is a really good point as to why when you travel and you leave your, your homostasis environment is that you're being stimulated in a different way and you, like, interrupt your old ways of thinking because you're seeing new things, right? Yeah. And, like, sure, that's, like, the easiest way to escape because then you're not in your, your normal realm, right? Yep but you can totally create a new realm with where you're at by interrupting your thoughts and actually like being present, like you're talking about, like noticing Mm -hmm. the sky or just noticing your thoughts and being more grounded and slowing down. I think that's such a great point. Yes, exactly what you said. Yeah. Right. They always talk about like breathing and yeah, like I can't remember what it's a type, basically like it's a type of meditation when you just look around the room and, you know, really focus on something right in front of you or, or start to like really try to describe what your feet, like what you're touching, stuff like that. And it helps you get into the present moment, but it's actually, yeah, it's actually a type of meditation too. Yeah. Cause it gets you grounded in the now rather than in your little head, hanging out with Sally, who's telling you that you're quarantine. Like having a party with Sally. For some reason I keep wanting to say Tina. So I feel like mine's (laughs) named Tina. Tina, I got Sally. That's so funny. Our alter egos. In your head. Like, yeah, let's let her waste her life away. Partying with Tina. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Oh my goodness. So one of um, one of the other things I wanted to chat with you about, because this is a big thing that I have going on in March, is money mindset. And uh, I know that we, you and I chatted a little bit back and forth, and I think you shared one of my posts on Instagram. But I just wanted to ask you if you had anything that you wanted to share or anything that like, inspires you around money mindset, because this is something that I just really want to normalize with people, is like talking about money, shifting our relationship with money. And so, yeah, I'd just love to hear what you think. So this was actually one of the kind of topics, I guess, that came up a lot when I was, when I had a life coach and I started paying attention to how I talked about, because money, money was always an issue in my life. It was always running out. It always, I always felt like I was, didn't have enough. It was, it was a stressor in my life. And so I wanted more, right? That was my main focus. I'm like, hey, like, how do I get to a point where I don't have to worry about money? And now it's kind of funny because I don't know if I'm, if I'm any more, I don't like to use the word rich for some reason. I like to use the word abundant because anyways, I don't even know if I have more abundance, I, you would say, but I just feel like my mindset around it is so much better that I feel now like it's just constantly flowing in and out 
which is actually really interesting because like I don't worry about it anymore but I actually don't know like if you you know got down to the dollars if I'm actually any different I just feel so much better about it and so basically to to get there was I started paying attention to how I was talking about money which I realized that was not a great me and money did not have a great relationship I did not speak did not speak highly of of money because I basically just had this deep rooted belief that there was never enough and that I would never get enough. And so then I found that you always want your, you always want your beliefs to be true. So you almost create the reality around your beliefs to prove to yourself that, see, I told you, I told you there's never enough money. And so then you end up like, it's this weird circle of life where you're creating the life that you believe to be true. And so that was huge for me. And then the second thing was I started looking at childhood and how I felt about money and how my parents talked about money, which also was like I journaled a lot about how my my mom talked about money and then and then kind of my own little person, my inner child, how I thought money was because that's like your first kind of idea of what money is is basically how your parents you know talked about money basically and last one was my view on quote-unquote rich people I for some reason I didn't was completely unaware of it but I hated rich people I was like they're snobby they don't they all they care about is material things like I had all these things about poor rich people I don't know why it was so terrible to them but I had all these beliefs so then I remember there was like someone there's this question of my journals and it was like so if that's what you think about quote-unquote rich people then why would you want to be one of them so then it was like holy shit that is so true. It's like, if I think all these terrible things, then why would my brain try to make me into that person? Because, right, I want to be rich, but yet you think rich people are so terrible. And so like now when I say all these things, I feel kind of like, not ashamed, but I feel bad that because now I just feel like I'm so much more past that. But at the time, it was a huge wake up call for me. Because now I'm like, frick, like I, I don't even like using the word rich people because it really separates someone for like their wealth, which again, I don't really also don't really agree with. But yeah, someone who has a lot of money, like there's some there's thousands of people who do amazing things with quote, like money, which I now also I now also see money more as an exchange of energy which was another huge thing for me because it's helped me see it in a different light. It's just, it's just a, it's a physical form of energy that we use to get things or, or services. And so that kind of concept has also helped because I just feel like the word money kind of you, you probably, even when I say it, you already have like an idea of, money you know what I mean yeah no I love it you just shared and I thought one thing that you said that was so interesting that really stuck with me was just how 
we want our beliefs to be true. And so then we go and we find evidence to like reinforce that so that we can be like, see, I told you so, because that's like such an egoic way of thinking, like this desire to be right no matter what, because you get that like dopamine hit. Mm -hmm. right so then we just continue to be in this vicious vicious cycle like you said where we continue to look for evidence and have excuses and throw kindle on the fire and some gasoline and like fireworks and whatever so that you can be like see this is it this is the truth yeah and and then it just keeps us and then the irony is that like it keeps us in that same realm and then we have the same you know quote money problems or struggles or same money mindset nothing changes and then but really at the end of the day what happens is that it's familiar and then it gets to be safe, there's no risk, and then we just get really good at living in that realm, no matter how, like, inauthentic or disabling and just, like, it feels, you know, so I think when you said that, I don't know why, it just totally hit me, I was like, yeah, like, it really, we do just rope, we, like, rope ourselves in, like, Sally's got this fucking book, and she's like, all right, look at this list, are you ready for this, Kayla, and then, you know, throws a party with, Tina and they're just having a time, but that's not really what we want to be doing, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's a lot. You have, yeah, the, the, it's crazy how many deep, deep beliefs you have about things that you don't even realize until you get super conscious and mindful about. And so that, like, honestly, that's the biggest thing. It's just like, like for me, it's journaling becoming conscious of something I want I journal about it my childhood like usually if there's like a topic I really want to dig into I'll go back to my childhood and be like hey when was the first time I heard about this or when was the first time you know what I mean just to like really figure out where these beliefs stemmed from yeah yeah so yeah and I think this is so important that you're you're talking about going back to your childhood because I think a lot of times as an adult, what we do is we go back to that conversation that triggered us. And then we try to to like work out that conversation, right? But what a lot of people don't know is that, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. And when you're a child, like literally up until about the age of seven, you're like pure consciousness, like your pure subconscious mind. And what that means is like, you're very suggestible. Like this is why you know, kids believe in things and they're, they're very easily to convince of things. Right. But then that's the time where we absorb beliefs. Like when parents say we don't have enough for that, or that's too expensive, or you should have done better that, that like sticks to our core. It goes so deep in the subconscious mind. And then we start becoming more conscious and then it just runs an autopilot. So when, instead of like going back to the conversation, say if you had an argument about money and trying to figure it out there that happened two weeks ago, you actually want to go back to when you were like five and think of a time where maybe you heard your parents fighting and they yeah. were talking about money in that same context. Cause then that's when you realize the decision that was made. Like there was a decision in that moment decided to believe that and that that's yes. your truth. And then you spend your whole life fighting for that truth. See, yeah. look at this student debt. See, look at this too expensive. I have to buy the knockoff. See, look at this. Like it's, it's like crazy how exactly what you said. Yeah. You nailed that. So yeah, there's just like a whole, I could go on for about this stuff for hours. It's it's awesome. But yeah, there's like, and like money is just one of them, you know, there's, there's like relationships and yeah. The interesting thing is though, is like what you're sharing and how you do your processing and journaling, like you can do that with any area of life. It's not just about money which is yeah, exactly. like 
when you find your jam and like how to work through things. So actually, do you want to share a couple of your favorite ways for, let's say like self-care, because I know you're obviously passionate about that being in the fitness realm and health and fitness, and then your favorite like mindfulness activities that you like doing. Well, I feel like for me, those go hand in hand. So like my self-care is a lot of like chilling out and mindset. So I guess two things that come to mind are meditation, which is just, I I really like visualization, like um, meditations where you just close your eyes and they'll, they'll walk you through like this amazing visualization of like you rising up and, and like your life, you, you know, you zoom out so far, you see the earth and like, you know, cause then you start to feel so much smaller and insignificant because when you start by like sitting on the chair, you, you know, it's almost like, it's almost impossible to think of like not thinking about all the problems you have going on. You're like, Oh, I have so many problems. How could I possibly close my eyes and like, you know, meditate. And then, you know, you get into this visualization of like rising up from your chair and then you're going from your city to your province to your country to the world and then all of a sudden you feel so small and insignificant you're like oh it's not like these problems are not that bad you know so that's like a big one is any sort of meditation really and then the other one would be EFT and it stands for emotional freedom technique and I discovered it actually during the first like the first quarantine lockdown in March, 2020, the, the big one where everything in the world just stopped. And yeah, I found this app called the tapping solution. And that's when I learned about it. And I just loved it. You like, there's like these, you know, neural pathways all, all over your body. And they really focus on like the face and shoulders that you tap, which is, is I guess, don't quote me if this is wrong it like um, calms your nervous system because you're tapping these certain like neural pathways while um, saying these like reaffirming statements or like some sort of verbal statements that acknowledges like the emotion you're feeling and then like lets you almost let it go. And so it was just like, oh, it was just such a freeing feeling when I started tapping. Um, So that was like a huge one, especially during like 2020 all the stresses of 2020 oh yeah no I actually got um when I did my NLP certification last year one of the certifications was an EFT and emotional freedom techniques and it is something that is so powerful and you're right in the sense like when you do the tapping so there's seven points so there's one on the inner eyebrow just for like the listeners the inner eyebrow and then on the side of your eye under your eye over your lips just above your chin your inner collarbone under your arm, and then the top of your head. So as you're tapping in these meridians, what happens is, you know, you start to interrupt energy. And it's like, if you think about it, when you feel anxious, like usually those feelings, they live in your chest, like anxiety is like very like heart ridden, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like emotions, they need to move, right? Emotions are energy in motion. So when you start tapping, like you're, you're causing a vibration within your body and it allows those emotions to move or self-limiting beliefs. Cause we talked about earlier how your thoughts become beliefs and those cause emotions. So then if you're tapping on a self-limiting belief, then you're just, you know, releasing that emotion and that feeling that you have inside of you. 
So I love that you shared that because it's something that I actually do sometimes in my morning meditations, especially if there's something that's like bothering me. And so the way that you can start that is like the really cool thing actually is like when you're like, okay, I'm going to rate this out of 10 and this is like an eight out of 10. Like I'm like super anxious about this. I really don't feel good. You do the routine. And then afterwards, after a couple rounds, like you start to realize like, oh, I'm actually a four. Okay. Now I dropped through two. And it's just, you didn't do, you didn't do anything. You didn't go anywhere. You literally just tapped on your body and you were able to like physiologically cause an energetic shift in your body. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And even just like the power of acknowledging what you're feeling. Like I would never think to do that. You know, when you're just, you, you're, you feel like your heart's pounding and, and you just kind of feel tired and then you, you sit down and tapping forces you to say, I recognize that I'm feeling very anxious right now. And the minute I speak that, I'm like, oh, it's, I said it. Like, you know, you just like, it's a release. You're like, just acknowledging it instead of trying to stuff it down, stuff it down, stuff it down. And then finally, when you just give it some attention, they're like, see there, that's all I wanted. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the only time that Tina and Sally are screaming something worthwhile to listen to. Like, oh, you're anxious, Tina? Yes, let me give you some love. And then back to bed. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I feel like this is going to be an inside joke now. The ultimate (laughs) Putting those girls to bed. Party time's over. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I just want to say I really, really loved our conversation today, Ash. And I think you shared some really insightful things. I love how you just shared this 10-year plan that you crushed in three years so I'm really excited to hear your next 10-year plan yeah so good so if you can just share with the listeners where can they find you like on social media and uh, I'll write your handle in the show notes as well but if you have a website or anything you can just let us know yeah so I have Instagram it's ashbell dot underscore and that's where I share my life um, so it's usually a fun time on there. And then my website, which is ashbell.ca. And if you're in Victoria, I spend a lot of time at TFA. So if you want to come say hi. Yeah. There. So I'll definitely put that uh, that link in the handle. TFA. Is it like TFA.com or what's the website? Uh, the handle's TFA Gym. And then the website's TFAGym.com. Perfect. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. And I'm really thankful that we got to, you know, meet. I say that in air quotes. (laughs) Real meeting. Because of our connections and whatnot. So thank you. And I just want to thank the listeners for tuning in as well. So if you can please subscribe, leave a review. If you share this on social media, tag us both so that we can obviously acknowledge you for sharing. And if you want to ask us any questions, we're totally open for it. So thank you for listening and we'll chat with you in the next episode.